Hello and welcome to Southern New Hampshire's History Podcast. Tonight you are in luck. For Halloween we have a special episode with instructor Everett Daig, who will be telling us a ghostly story. Everett. Hi. Um, well, we'll start off in the year of 1809. This is actually a Napoleonic ghost story. The year 1809, um, it is a year of great turmoil in Europe. Um, on one side of things, Napoleon is definitely the uh, master of Europe. On the other side, the Austrians very much resent him. They've been kicked around quite a bit since Austerlitz. The British are doing their level best to uh, corrupt him as, or destroy him as much as they possibly can. In 1809, February of 1809, the British uh, king, George III, the Prime Minister Canning, and the Foreign Minister, a guy by the name of Henry Bathurst, get together and decide that they are going to send an envoy to the Austrians to maybe make a deal and go to war against the French altogether. The person that they decide to send is a young man named Benjamin Bathurst, the brother of the foreign minister. He has got a lot of influence. Again, he's got a direct connection. He's got some experience. He was in Stockholm in 1807 and 1808, actually negotiating out between the Prussians and the Swedes, and had managed to make a deal with them. And he is dispatched in March to talk to the Austrians. And this actually works. The Austrians agree that they are going to go to war against the French and the British will launch an invasion into Holland, the uh, Vulture expedition as a matter of fact. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work out as well. Napoleon, as he often does, moves much faster than um, anyone expects. He turns around, attacks the Austrians, and the Battle of Wagram manages to wipe them out altogether. When he does wipe them out, Bathurst, who was in Vienna at the time, negotiating out the uh, arrangement, flees for his life. And in fact, he uh, manages to make it all the way into Germany itself, with the French clearly on his heels. He is escorted by a, a uh, major by the name like, 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 of Klinkman, and they manage to get to Perlman in southern Ger I'm sorry, Perlberg in southern Germany. And they stop at a place called the White Swan Inn. Captain Klinkman is with uh, Bathurst up until about 7 p.m. They stop at an inn called the White Swan. Um, about 7.30, Captain Klinkman notices that Bathurst gets up, goes outside. He watches them check the carriage, check the horses, walk around the horses, and he vanishes. He disappears, and no one has ever seen him since. He was a man who was so frightened of the French in pursuit that he literally frightened himself out of existence. Or maybe he didn't. It's actually not really clear. Uh, throughout the 25th and 26th of um, November, the, time, the day that he disappears, they uh, search all over. They end up not finding any source of him at all. Um, they report this back to Lord Bathurst, a foreign minister, and they're not exactly sure what happens. Um, there are French in the area, so it's possible the French got them, but all, the more we investigate this, or the more that was investigated, the more mysterious it ultimately becomes. In 1810, during a lull in the uh, Napoleonic Wars, um, the wife of Benjamin Bathurst, a lady by the name of Lydia Bathurst, and his sister, Perfinia Thistlewaite, end up making inquisitions into Germany. They end up not finding anything at all. In March, they actually contact Napoleon, who's actually very uh, cooperative about this. He has no record of his men encountering Bathurst at all. So they're not really sure exactly what happened to him. And several theories begin to emerge at this point. 
in December of 1810, Le Moniteur, um, suggests that maybe he went mad and actually fled and simply has not been found yet. This idea is actually picked up by the Times, as a matter of fact, in January of 1811. Um, Napoleon launches his own investigation. He talks to several of his officers, especially one major by the name of Detrange, who ends up talking about looking for uh, Bathurst, but he never encounters him. He never finds him. And again, this is the son of the foreign, I'm sorry, the brother of the foreign minister. So he definitely would have been a top prize one way or the other. At the end of the war, as a matter of fact, once again, before Napoleon is sent off into exile, Miss Bathurst uh, talks to Napoleon. And once again, Napoleon says he has no record. He has no knowledge of what happened to, uh, to Benjamin Bathurst. Well, at the end of the Napoleonic Wars, 1815, um, the, the wife returns back to Germany to actually look around. She finds a few mysterious things. She finds a pair of pants that may have belonged to Benjamin with a bullet hole in them. And as time goes on, it becomes more and more mysterious because no one really can tell exactly what happens to him. There's might have killed him. He knew a little bit too much. Had he been captured by the French, he might have talked. But once again, there's no evidence for that at all. Well, Lord Bathurst ends up in 1837 actually releasing his memoirs. And in 1837, when he released the memoirs of Dr. Henry Bathurst, uh, the foreign minister of Great Britain, he talks about the disappearance, and he kind of explores a lot of the theories that went along with this, but he can't come up with any conclusions as to what happened to Benjamin either. Likewise, Trephenia Thistlewaite, the sister, she publishes an account in 1853 as kind of a... Um, does anyone know what happened to my brother kind of a thing? She publishes this not just in Great Britain. She also publishes a, in uh, Germany and in France, and no one knows at all. But this does capture the imagination of several other writers. And in fact, um, one writer by the name of the Reverend Sabine Baring Gould, who publishes in 1866 a book called Curious Myths About the Middle Ages and was very interested in ghost stories, actually encounters this story from Trephenia Thistlewaite's writings and begins to ask what really did happen. I mean, did this guy simply disappear altogether? Saving Bearing Gold, once uh, he ends up publishing this, and this particular account of the story comes out in 1868, um, begins to pick up a little following on its own, but it really becomes more well-known in 1887 when a, a, like, like a magazine called Cornhill Magazine publishes the man that was frightened out of existence. And all of a sudden, Benjamin becomes not a man who may have been kidnapped or something like that. He becomes a man who disappears altogether. And this becomes kind of an accepted thing in Great Britain. The story is suddenly changing now from a diplomatic incident to maybe something a little bit more supernatural. But it becomes something that's really cinched, if you will, in the supernatural in 1919, when Charles Ford who spends a good deal of his time at the turn of the century looking at mysterious events and all sorts of unexplainable things, picks up a copy of a magazine called Historical Oddities that was published in 1889 and basically took the Cornhill Magazine uh, view of things that he disappeared and puts it into a book called The Book of the Damned, which becomes a bestseller in 1919. And all of a sudden, Benjamin becomes the man who disappeared altogether. Well, 
there it may have stood, as a matter of fact, there it may have stopped. I certainly, when I was growing up, as a historian, that's kind of the, the story, how what exactly happened or what we know has happened to uh, Benjamin Bathurst, and that's kind of the story of the story. How did it go from a diplomatic incident to something a little more mysterious? How did he turn from a diplomat that disappeared into the man that was frightened out of existence? That's the story of the story. But there's one more element as a historian I think I would like to look at, and that's the story of the story of the story. I had heard the story of Benjamin Bathurst on the radio. I used to listen when I was a kid to um, mysterious ghost stories and things like that that came on Wednesday night on a local radio station. They talk about Benjamin Bathurst. And when I was in graduate school at the University of South Carolina, I picked up a collection of ghost stories. And when I was studying Napoleonic history, I came across the story of Benjamin Bathurst. And this actually interested me on several different levels. I had never heard of Benjamin Bathurst as far as being a British diplomat goes. Um, he intrigued me along those lines. He also intrigued me because it really wasn't clear exactly what happened to him. I mean, is, was he really the man that was frightened out of existence? What, what do we know actually occurred with this guy? Well, in 1992, um, looking at the Strozier Library, I'm sorry, not Strozier Library, the Edmund Library at the University of South Carolina, I came across the collected papers of the Bathurst family and went through them. And there were several things that kind of struck out with or interest me about that. Um, there were several references to Benjamin, and he was apparently a much more important diplomat than anyone had ever really said in the uh, uh, the ghost story side of things. He had negotiated out some very important uh, kind of under-the-table treaties, but he was probably the person most responsible for British diplomacy on the continent during the course of the, the Napoleonic Wars. There would be a real reason why Napoleon would want to catch this guy if he possibly could. And that kind of led me to think that maybe the French didn't get him after all. If the French had captured him and simply killed him and not told Napoleon, Whoever had done that would have been in a great deal of trouble because Napoleon certainly would have been interested in capturing him, if for no other reason to ransom or trade one way or the other. As my uh, academic career proceeded, and I looked around, I went to the public records office in London um, at the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris. Um, I looked at the Moniteur and several other titles and began to actually look to see what was going on with this. 1994, I went to Florida State University. In 1996, I ended up spending a year in Paris and looked at the Quai d'Orsay, the Service Historique de l'Armée de la Terre, which is the military archives, the Bibliothèque Nationale, and uh, places like that. And as the internet developed, I also started looking at a lot of other things. I found, for example, all the writings, both of Lydia and Trephinia uh, Thistleweight on Google Books, as a matter of fact. And looking through there, I began to come to a little bit of a different conclusion. Maybe this is not, you know, as simple as all that. Um, what I ended up coming up with in looking at a lot of the investigations, probably as far as the actual story itself goes, it's, it's likely that he was a fairly well-dressed individual by most accounts. I actually made a map of the town, went through the entire event as to what happened. You know, I went kind of a minute by minute. He's here at this point. We've got an eyewitness to him here at this point. And I came to the conclusion that he was probably robbed by local robbers, um, killed, and his body disposed of in some other place. It wasn't dumped in a river. We know that because the local river was dragged and his body was not found. His body has never been found, as a matter of fact. But 
ultimately what I came to the conclusion of was that, you know, maybe he had been killed and the local Germans had kind of uh, hidden this as much as they possibly could. The British were not going to pursue it too terribly much. They certainly wanted good relations with the Prussians and with the South Germans uh, as part of an alliance against the French. So even if the Germans had done it, the British weren't going to push too terribly much. And I certainly got that out of the Bathurst family papers and out of some resistance that the wife and the sister seemed to get from the British government in trying to find out what exactly had happened to this. But I was really interested in this because it seemed like there there was more than one story here. There were really three stories. There was a story and the conclusion of what actually happened to Bathurst, the actual event itself. I was interested in how the story came to be the accepted story, the ghost story, the man that was frightened out of existence, and in some ways kind of made unimportant. I mean, I, I didn't really realize how important Bathurst was until I started digging beyond the accepted version of the story. And what does that mean as far as the way we come to understand history itself? What does this mean as far as research, asking questions, and what does this say about being a historian? Certainly when we think about um, the story of Benjamin Bathurst, the way he seemed to disappear and the way he's entered into popular culture, we look at him in one particular way. Looking at him with a historian's eye, looking at him, looking with evidence, trying to understand exactly what happen and also assuming that as historians are wont to do it, it needs to be explained if possible that the story changes completely and all of a sudden it became much much more in-depth and I think a much more important part of understanding the Napoleonic Wars. So one of the things that I got out of this, I know it's not a particularly spooky story unless you're really into disappearing people because again we still don't know exactly what happened to them. Um, one of the things I think that's important here is that when you're Looking at things like ghost stories, legends, and stuff like that, by all means, look a little bit deeper, because there may be a great deal more in what you're looking at than what you would have thought. And with that, happy Halloween. Thank you very much, Everett. That was great, and I think um, hopefully our students really appreciate just the way that you also added your own research and discovered and were able to reinterpret the past on your own. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for asking me, Elizabeth. All Happy right. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs>